Many of today's celebrated leaders in science and technology are what would traditionally be described as infidels, proud atheists. And not just celebrities, but average people too. Look at this Daily Mail headline. Godless Britain, UK has some of the lowest belief levels in the world. The article claims the British are amongst the least likely to believe in God. That's compared to four decades ago when three quarters in the UK said that they believed in God. Yet this level of apostasy was prophesied for the last days. In this program, we're going to tell you the world's future as God has revealed it. Thankfully, an entire book in the Bible is devoted to the end times, the book of Revelation. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Darg. According to research led by the Policy Institute at King's College London, China was by far the lowest among 24 nations claiming faith in God with just 17%. And I suspect that percentage represents the underground church. By contrast, 100% in the Philippines claim to believe in a higher power as do 99% in Iran, Nigeria, and Morocco. However, the UK was one of the least religious countries, with roughly only 50% claiming belief in God. America fared much higher with 82%. And according to a different news survey, an overwhelming majority of Americans, 87%, claim to have received at least one answer to prayer within the past year. Top reasons given for praying were family problems, health issues, and prayer requests on social media. The survey also indicated that more Americans pray in a car than in a church. Meanwhile, 85% of the world's Anglicans have reportedly cut off their ties with the hierarchy in Canterbury, England. Archbishop Justin Welby has lost the allegiance of the vast majority of global Anglicans. Two conservative organizations, the Global Anglican Future Conference, known as GAFCON, and the Global South Fellowship of Anglican Churches, have cut off their links with Canterbury claiming that they're not leaving the Anglican communion. Rather, they say it's the woke revisionists in Canterbury who have left the Orthodox faith. But then Jesus clearly warned there would be a falling away from the true faith in the last days. The mystery of iniquity, rebellion against divine authority, was already at work in the days of the apostles. But mankind's rebellion will escalate until the appearance of the final dictator, the Antichrist. And unfortunately, the Bible prophesies that Israel will receive him, but only temporarily. Daniel 9.27 prophesies that the Antichrist will reveal his true colors 
by putting a stop to sacrifices and offerings, which by then will have been reinstituted on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And he'll set up an abomination that will desecrate a wing of the holy place. When that happens, Jesus advised his Jewish people in Matthew 24 to head for the hills. For God has prepared a temporary refuge for them in Jordan, in the region of Petra. Current events seem to be headed toward the convergence of these end-time Bible prophecies. The Lord called the religious leaders of his day hypocrites because they could not discern the signs of the times. And it's no coincidence that he has commanded us to watch the signs of the times. Twice, the book of Revelation pronounces a blessing upon those who study prophecy. The subject of our Lord's coming again is of such vital importance that it is interwoven throughout the Bible and affords us a boundless topic of investigation. But we have no date for the rapture, the catching way of the church, only that it will precede the second coming, as Paul explained in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 17. Jesus will come first for his church, and then after the tribulation and Israel's salvation, he will come back to earth with his church to rule this planet. As we have also understood from 2 Thessalonians 2, 7, the identity of the global dictator, the future Antichrist, cannot be revealed until after the restraint on him is removed in the rapture. We believe the rebirth of the state of Israel and the Jews returning to Jerusalem is the greatest end time sign. But there are many others, such as the exponential increase in knowledge and travel prophesied in Daniel 12.4. Know this also, Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3.1, In the last days perilous times shall come, politically and socially. An anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-Bible world is gathering momentum with the goal to cast off Judeo-Christian culture. Permeating the nations is the trio of socialism, communism, and anarchy. These godless, unclean spirits are colossally corrupt, preparing the way for the Antichrist's global agenda. Wickedness vows to destroy Western democracy and the family structure. We're witnessing the prophesied distress of nations, along with pestilences, famine, earthquakes, cyclones, all sorts of weather upheavals, as well as the menace of spiritualism. In 1 Timothy 4.1, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. Fraud and deception are abounding, and there are also demonic manifestations that will ultimately culminate in lying wonders described by the Antichrist and his false prophet in Revelation 13, 13, he will perform great signs so that he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. But carefully note that Jesus also admonished us in Matthew 24, 32 to learn the parable of the fig tree and all the trees. When her branch is yet tender and puts forth leaves, you'll know that summer is near 
So likewise, when you see all these signs, know that the Lord's return is near, even at the doors. Miraculously, Israel has been reestablished in her place 75 years and counting. So surely the end of this dispensation is nigh, even at the doors. Israel is the fig tree nation. Well, shall we Christians criticize the Jewish people for not accepting the evidence that Jesus is Messiah, yet ourselves refuse all the collective evidence that his second coming is near? It's a fact that Israel has been regathered as a secular nation, yet a great revival is predicted in Israel's future. In fact, Israel's religious Jews are longing to rebuild their temple and many activists are advocating for the reestablishment of their ancient sacrifices. And when the Antichrist arises, a covenant of convenience will be confirmed according to Daniel 9.27 and John 5.43. But the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 28.18 prophesied the pact will be a covenant with death. A period of terrible persecutions will follow, named in Jeremiah 37 as the time of Jacob's trouble. However, when it would seem that all is lost, the Lord will return with his saints down to the earth as foretold in Jude 14, and he will destroy the beastly Antichrist and deliver Israel. He will judge the nations at that time and establish his millennial kingdom with Jerusalem as the worship capital of the world. Well, presently in the evangelical churches, there's much yearning for revival because the world is growing no better. Churches have lost their saltiness and spiritual power. Believers aren't praying for the sick as they should. There's just a lack of general holiness. Yet, Signs are all around us that the rapture of the church is imminent when Jesus will return in the atmosphere to collect the remnant of true believers who have remained holy, his bride. Then the last dispensation of history, the great tribulation period begins on earth. You see, God has always had a faithful remnant. There was a remnant in Israel in Jesus' day who waited for the Messiah and received him when he came. The devout Hebrew prophet Simeon was, along with John the Baptist, among the last of the old covenant prophets because both Simeon and John the Baptist stood on the threshold of a new dispensation of the new covenant. Luke 2, 26 records that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel because the Holy Spirit had revealed to him that he would not die until he had set eyes on the Messiah. And when the infant Jesus was dedicated in the temple, Simeon instantly recognized him by the spirit of revelation. And this leads us to ask, will not the same Holy Spirit who revealed the first coming of Messiah to elderly Simeon and also to the prophetess Anna, may he not likewise grant a promise to a faithful remnant who are watching that our eyes will see the Lord's appearing and therefore we won't experience death? Even so, many of the most devout and faithful of God's prophetic people all over the world are seriously sensing that the rapture is near. I believe many watchmen are asking the Lord to preserve a company of Simeons and Annas who will not die 
before seeing the Lord in the rapture. That's my prayer. All genuine watchmen should understand the times and not assume that this church age will continue indefinitely, but we should be assured that the church age is coming to a conclusion with the fullness of the Gentiles. As we pray so often in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come on earth, the Lord will soon return to rule in Jerusalem and he'll be seated on the throne of his ancestral father, David. By contrast, so-called kingdom now Christians seem to think that the kingdom can be accomplished by the church before Jesus returns. But how is that working out? Well, it's not. Those who believe in the rapture before the tribulation period look for Jesus himself to restore the kingdom to Israel when he returns. Lovers of Israel and of the Jewish people wish that the great tribulation period would not be necessary. But the Bible's history reveals that Israel was brought to repentance through pressure when they cried to God for a deliverer. And Israel will eventually summons Yeshua as he prophesied in Matthew 23, 39. He said they will not see him again until he returns as conquering king. And he cited Psalm 118, 26 as the words they will use to summons him back. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When Jesus returns to Israel at that time, the people will finally acknowledge his true position as King Messiah. And they will cry, Baruch Haba, Shem Adonai, blessed is he coming in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. In the present dispensation of the church age, which is winding up, Jesus entrusted the task of preaching the gospel to us believers. That's the Great Commission, to preach the gospel to every creature. Yet, during the future period known in the Bible as the Great Tribulation, the heavy lifting of preaching will not be done by the church because the church will be gone, raptured, caught away. During the tribulation, events will switch back to an old covenant mode because Israel will be the focus. According to Revelation 7:3, God will seal 12,000 preachers from each of 12 tribes of Israel. And that's a total of 144,000 servants of the Lord. And there will be two larger than life witnesses, public preachers dressed in sackcloth. And on top of these mighty preachers, there'll be a bonus of an angel flying in heaven to preach the gospel. So the 144,000 plus the two witnesses plus angelic proclamation will be the new army of preachers because the church will have been caught away at the rapture. And then the tribulation period, Jacob's trouble, will be a new and final short dispensation of seven years during which all of Israel will be saved. No doubt individual Gentile believers will share the gospel as they're able, but they'll be persecuted and beheaded by Antichrist for refusing his mark on their foreheads or right hands. Whereas the 144,000 Israelite servants of God will be sealed on their foreheads with supernatural protection. They will have God's mark in sharp contrast to earth dwellers who worship the beast. Also, the two far-breathing witnesses will enjoy supernatural protection 
until God allows them to be killed. Revelation chapter 11 declares that God will give power to his two witnesses to preach fearlessly for 1,260 days. And if anyone tries to harm them, fire will proceed from their mouth. They will also have power to shut heaven from rainfall during the days of their prophesying. And they will have power to turn water into blood and to strike the earth with plagues. These supernatural abilities of biblical proportions lead many Bible scholars to conclude that one of the witnesses will be Moses and the other will be the return of the prophet Elijah. After fully delivering their message, they will be killed by the Antichrist. The world will gloat and rejoice, giving presents to one another, leaving the bodies of the two witnesses lying in the streets of Jerusalem. However, according to Revelation eleven twelve, after three and a half days, God will resurrect them and they will ascend to heaven in a cloud in the sight of their enemies. The 144,000 Judahite and Israelite servants of God will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and sent to proclaim the gospel of Jesus, Yeshua, across the entire world. And because of their work, talk about revival, multitudes will believe in Jesus and follow him. As recorded in Revelation 7, it's important to emphasize that the 144,000 will be Jews and Israelites, not Gentiles. Their commission is a sign that the tribulation period is no longer focused upon the church, but centers around Israel. So at that time, the world will have 144,000 Jewish and Israelite preachers, not Gentile church evangelists. And amazingly, an angel will also be preaching the everlasting gospel. According to Revelation 14, 6, an angel flying in midair will have the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people, it says. Think about this. God in his mercy will commission an angel to preach the gospel, giving every person a final opportunity to repent and receive Jesus, the gift of eternal life. This angel will spread the everlasting gospel in a loud voice, saying, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the creator who made heaven, earth, and the seas. The commentaries explain that a preaching angel is proof positive that the church age is past and the dispensation has changed. Imagine an angel thundering from the sky, demanding that the nations fear God instead of glorifying the Antichrist beast, commanding worship of the creator rather than the devil. And for that reason, the hour of judgment is come. In Revelation 14, 9, another angel warns with a great voice that whoever is found worshiping the beast in his image or has the beast's mark on his forehead or hand shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Through this supernatural angelic preaching, God will make a final plea to humanity, giving opportunity to reject Satan's lies and embrace the eternal truth of the gospel. Revelation 14, 6 calls the gospel everlasting 
because its truths are complete and absolute for all of eternity. The gospel is indeed a worldwide message for all of humanity, irrespective of a person's color, country, or creed. If anyone is to be happy throughout eternity, he or she must believe the everlasting gospel. The gospel of Jesus the Messiah is essential for all mankind. The angel's message will be so urgent that he will fly in the midst of heaven and speak with a supernaturally amplified voice heard and understood in all languages. The angel's message will be urgent because the world is full of rebellious individuals who need gospel liberty. The time is short, even more so during the Great Tribulation. The Holy Spirit knows the urgency of our work and the time necessary for its fulfillment. I want to reiterate that the end times hold such significance that God has devoted the book of Revelation to it, an entire book. There's more detailed information about the events of the end times than any other period. We're all praying for revival now, but the Bible assures us in Revelation 7, 9, that a great multitude, hopefully billions, will find salvation during the great tribulation. And when we rightly handle this word of truth, we realize that the greatest end time harvest will be the work of the two witnesses, the 144,000 servants of God, and the angelic proclamations. The church is not mentioned because the church, the bride of Christ, the fullness of the Gentiles, will have been completed and evacuated from the earth. We, the church, the bride, will be with the Lord, the bridegroom, in his Father's house, preparing to descend alongside Jesus for his millennial rule and the destruction of the Antichrist empire. In this present church age, which is soon drawing to an end, we can't expect the conversion of the entire world. But on the horizon, after the Great Tribulation, will be the Lord's millennial age of universal peace, when the knowledge of the Lord will cover the earth and Satan will be bound for a thousand years. Meanwhile, we're living in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, so we must shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life and snatching as many souls as possible from the fire in order to increase the remnant company, patiently waiting to welcome the bridegroom Jesus, Yeshua. Many alert theologians and eschatologists believe the prophesied seven-year tribulation is on the horizon, and to escape the horrors of the tribulation period is urgent to repent and to get saved now, to be counted worthy to escape. John 3.16 simply declares the gospel promise, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Therefore, I urge you to believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and resurrected the third day so we can have eternal life with him. The moment we put our trust in him that he died for our sins, we're saved and rapture ready. Hallelujah. In this present age, nations are corrupted by the deceptions of Satan, 
But in the future millennial kingdom, when Jesus returns to rule a thousand years, Satan will not be able to deceive the nations because Revelation 20, one to three, informs us that Satan will be bound and incarcerated in the pit to prevent him from deceiving the nations. He'll be bound for the thousand years. And after that, he must be loosed a little season before the final rebellion and before he is cast forever into the lake of fire. Postmillennialists erroneously believe Jesus will return after the millennium. But that's a highly impractical notion to believe that the millennial rule of Messiah could somehow happen without his physical presence. Postmillennialists vaguely acknowledge the second coming of Jesus, but they very seldom preach or talk about it because their hearts aren't really in it. Why should they cry, Maranatha, our Lord comes, if they believe his return is at least a thousand years away? Yet the Apostle Paul exhorted believers to comfort one another with the fact that the Lord's appearing is imminent. The post-tribulation and post-millennialists simply can't comfort one another with the Lord's appearing. In fact, they shamefully neglect the hope of the Lord's coming. And because of this neglected truth, many churches are languishing. We must preach the soon coming of Jesus. It's healthy and it causes us to hustle, as I heard one preacher say, because it motivates us to get going with the gospel. Recently, while one of our two groups was visiting the garden tomb in Jerusalem, the tomb that many Protestants believe is the empty tomb of Jesus, we met the Iranian evangelist Saeed Abedini. He was incarcerated in Tehran's notorious prison for preaching the gospel, but he was released after an international outcry. As a former Muslim, Saeed told us that he had experienced visions of Jesus saying, Saeed, Saeed, preach the gospel because I'm coming soon. You see, the return of the Lord Jesus is a practical doctrine because it teaches us to preach. It gives us urgency. And also 1 John 3, 3 says that believers who have this hope purify themselves and keep themselves ready for the Lord's coming. Indeed, the Lord is saying to believers right now, hold on, I'm coming. The church and the people want this truth and God wants us to have it. So let's earnestly labor as did the apostle Paul to save as many souls as possible from the wrath to come. Second Corinthians 5.11 declares, therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord and understand the importance of obedience and worship, we persuade people to be reconciled to him. Let's continue to proclaim the Lord's soon return. Amen. Now, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to chat with me on social media. We also invite you to visit our website, exploits.tv, where you can click online to receive our weekly email and watch all of our videos 24-7. Don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app, which also features our video library. And please subscribe to our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site and our blogs at Substack. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom and 
Maranatha.